And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Spin Raid presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. As I said, this is Spin Rate, the Toronto Blue Jays podcast here on The Athletic. My name is Drew Fairservice, and welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's been an, an exciting couple days. The Blue Jays are back in Buffalo, playing baseball in front of fans that appear to at least outwardly support them as opposed to the opponent. Beautiful downtown Buffalo, a overhauled sailing field there in downtown Buffalo, and it's a really exciting time. Um, if this is your first time, if, if the excitement of Buffalo, New York has brought you to spin right the Blue Jays, uh, the Athletics Blue Jays podcast for the first time, thank you. Thank you for joining us. And I would love it if you would subscribe to the show. And if you have heard us before but haven't subscribed, go and do it. Go subscribe to spin right wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to go to uh, Apple Podcasts, to Spotify, to Overcast or Stitcher, whatever it is, subscribe. Give us a rating if you have the option. Say something nice, that would be awesome. It would mean a lot to me. Something that would mean a lot to you would be to subscribe to The Athletic, where you can read everything that Spinrate co-host, my co-host, Caitlin McGrath, writes about your Toronto Blue Jays. You can read everything about the trade deadline scuttlebutt. You want to read draft stuff from Keith Law. You want to go to theathletic.com slash spinrate. They will give you a sweet, sweet deal, and it'll tell them that we sent you which is good for everybody if you like what we're doing and you want to keep us living in the style to which we have grown accustomed. So in the spirit of the Blue Jays playing baseball in Buffalo, special guest this week, Keegan Matheson of MLB.com, covers the Blue Jays. You can read everything that he writes on BlueJays.com. He's in Buffalo. So I thought it would be a great idea to talk to Keegan about seeing baseball with his own eyes for the first time in a very long time. Talk about the state of the state of the team right now, looking into the future. We had a great chat because he's a great guy. And as Cam, the producer, said, he's a whole vibe. Because Keegan's, Keegan's vibe is off the charts. He is the Teoscar Hernandez of the Blue Jays beat, let me tell you. So without any further ado, why don't we go do that? So we'll talk to, talk to Keegan, talk about Toronto, your Toronto Blue Jays, all that and so much more on this edition of Spin Rate. All right, as mentioned before, it's my pleasure this time to be joined by MLB.com's very own Keegan Matheson. Keegan, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Happy to be here. The this is the first time. Sorry? Excited. You were excited. I'm so excited that this is the first time we've had, we've had you on that I interrupted you. So welcome. That is as, as official a welcome as I can we're get. We're off to a terrible start. But. We're off to a terrible start. But the Blue Jays are not off to a terrible start in your uh, current location of Buffalo, New York. How are things in beautiful Western New York? Beautiful Buffalo. Man, it's a different world. It's amazing to come down here from Toronto. And, um, you know, I, I, I went 
in and ate inside somewhere the other day. You know, all these little things that uh, I've taken for granted for a while, but it's uh, uh, amazing to see things uh, opening up a bit back down here, fans in the stands, um, walking around Buffalo. Buffalo's always had a place in my heart. I, I like this stretch of cities, Buffalo, Cleveland, Detroit, Pittsburgh. That's uh, that's kind of my jam. I like these types of trips. But, uh, yeah, never thought I would be covering Blue Jays baseball in Buffalo, where we are right now. But uh, it's great to see it back. Fans in the stands, it's been uh, – man, I was thinking that on the opener here on June 1, I, I think I looked up the date. It was 600 and some – 611 days, I think. Mm-hmm. This is the last Blue Jays game I'd covered in person. And it was a Clay Buckholes game. The Clay Buckholes finale in Toronto. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sad to lose that memory. It was my last, uh, my last Jays game. But uh, fantastic to see baseball back. And uh, people of Buffalo are loving it. It's, it's going well here. That's exciting. Rust Belt Keegan here joins us on, uh, oh, on Spin the Brand, Run. baby. He, the, the brand, the Rust Belt brand. Uh, so you had been then to to Salem Field and, and Buffalo before. Uh, I assume then it was a, quite a different experience getting back into a, a, re, a revamped ballpark this week. Much different. Yeah, you, you could even see it visually just when you walk in. Um, the signs from the highway. Um, as I look out my hotel room window here, I can see uh, kind of the outfield, a bit of the infield on the, at Salem Field. And just very visually, from a fan standpoint, it looks like a Blue Jays stadium. You know, uh, the seats are red, but the signage and everything else is Blue Jays um, right through the building. Uh, I think the organization's done a great job with that. Because uh, that's not easy. There's no blueprint for this. Nobody's going back and saying, you know what, let's, let's take the 2004 blueprint when Atlanta played out of a small village nearby. You know, th- this is not something they're drawing up from the past uh this is all brand new so amazing to see and the player facilities certainly improved um minor league player facilities i'm not breaking news to anybody are not state of the arts across <laughs> minor league baseball they're getting better uh slowly um but in a situation like this when the blue jays leave uh the AAA buffalo bisons uh, i think danny jansen said it the other day they'll have one of the best facilities in baseball you know and he would know better than me, both because he knows what gyms look like, period, and uh, because he's been in the Buffalo Bisons gym. But uh, a lot of improvements made here, and thankfully now more permanent. Last year was a scramble. Last year was a mess. Everything about last year was a mess as they tried mm-hmm. to play in Pittsburgh, then in Tampa, then in Baltimore, and wherever else it was. But at least this year, it's going to last a little more permanent. It is. Uh, it is really interesting to see just that work, and and it's it's funny because I'm sure the team, you know, the team's doing what they can. They're putting this money into it, but at the same time, the investment in Dunedin is more a reflection of like that investment for longer term in her, in terms of player development, not just player comfort, which is which is long overdue, but. Putting, um, you know, putting lots of money into a AAA stadium in terms of a player development return on investment, you're probably not going to maybe see it as much. But it's, I mean, hey, if if you're looking to uh, maybe if you're looking to invite the kind of the old non-roster invitee, minor league contract kind of guys, being like, we got the nicest AAA ballpark, probably isn't uh, isn't the worst thing you could you could use as a sales pitch, I guess. It helps, you know. We overcomplicate things, but the the new money ball is money, you know. Yeah put money into it, it works. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, in, in a city like Buffalo, if you can have some facilities here that are a bit more attractive, um, you know, th- there's plenty of stories from guys in double A, triple A, and I'm talking more, not top prospects. If you're Nate Pearson, if you're Alec Manoa, Buffalo is a hotel stop for you. 
But there are a lot of guys, I'm thinking back through the years, some Jays who played a lot of Buffalo games, guys like Andy Burns, guys like that who are, you know, Bisons for several years. Um, I think it'll really make an impact on them, make this more comfortable, you know, for players here. But you're right, certainly that Dunedin project is more about long-term growth. You're getting into the 17, 18, 20-year-old kids and all of the technology in the world um, nutrition, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All these big 10 syllable words that baseball is now all about. But, uh, you know, here in Buffalo, it's a big change and uh, fascinating to see. You know, I, I can't wait to be back at uh, Rogers Center in downtown Toronto. Goodness, I cannot wait to be back there. But uh, for now, they've done a pretty good job with this. You you mentioned that about the inside of the gym. And I would say that I am at this current stage of my life, I am that gym was arousing to me uh, years old such that like they shared those photos and I was sending them to my friends being like, this is so that that is a beautiful, beautiful place on this planet. And thinking when we were joking about Vladdy, like uh, there's a 60 kilogram kettlebell, which I can't imagine how they even, they had probably had to use a forklift to get it in. But I was joking about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. spinning it on his finger, like a Harlem Globetrotter or something to that effect. But, uh, uh, but uh, even that just so, so, you're covering baseball live and in person again for the first time in 600 odd days. Uh, how would you compare the experience of covering a game, watching a game, even though I don't, you're still doing zoom calls, right? You're not able to get player availability, but just watching the game versus watching it on television, like all the rest of us stiffs. It's amazing. Um, it, it's quite the change too, because I have been on my couch for a year and a half, you know, the, uh, Right around the fifth or sixth inning rolled around these last couple of days. I'm thinking, man, well, why can't I pour a whiskey and lay down on the couch right now for these last few innings? You know, I've got to get back to, I've got to get that veil of professionalism draped back over me, uh, you know, button up my shirt, wear real pants and uh, get back to what we're all about here. It's uh, it's different. Um, so still lots of Zooms. Uh, we can conduct some one-on-one interviews now, distanced down, down by the net, but so. Mm. Um, uh, one of the Blue Jays players joked the other day that they forgot I had a lower body, which was, uh, you know, lovely, a lovely welcome back. But it's amazing to be back in a ballpark because I, let's be straight up and covering baseball, you know, it, there's a lot of bitter old guys like me, you know, and I'm a bitter old young guy still. But when you were covering baseball, 162 games a year, every single day at the ballpark, uh, as long as I am, it's some of the romance gets pulled out of it, you know, in any of our jobs, whether you are teaching, you're working in finance, you're working in this or that. When you get into it and you love it, eventually some of that shine does wear off and it becomes work with a capital W. Um, But these last couple of days I've appreciated so much because I realized, damn, this is cool. You know, being back in that ballpark with five and a half thousand people from Buffalo, loud as hell, guzzling beer, being great baseball fans. And honestly, that first game is something I'll remember for a long, long time. Robbie Ray in the first inning, he had those two strikeouts to open the game. I think he might have had two strikes in that third batter. Fans were on their feet, and he eventually popped out to Vladdy Guerrero Jr. It wasn't all that climactic, but even when Vlad made that catch, that roar from the fans, it's something I've become very used to. You know, being at Rogers Center, there's 45,000 people. And if there's a roar, the loudest roar of the game, I just kind of keep typing. I've got work mm-hmm. to do. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's tough to explain to a lot of my friends who are real diehard fans when they'll say, oh, man, I'm, I'm sorry about the Jays. They lost tonight. And I'll say, I, 
I'm, I'm here to write a story, man. I, I, I'm, I'm not here for wins and losses. I'm here to write a story. But uh, that crowd noise, that roar, all of a sudden caught my attention again. It jolted me again, and it was absolutely gorgeous. So I, I can't wait till we're back in Toronto and everyone else can hear this as well. But uh, after a while away, man, you appreciate it again. It is refreshing, and uh, you know, hopefully it's, it ramps up soon. Uh, one more thing about this, actually, because I know that you spent, uh, especially uh, before you, you joined MLB.com, you used to cover the minor league game, the prospects a lot. Is there anything? Is there any opportunity for you to, to get to do that? If, once now that you're down there and, and working, do you think you'll have an opportunity to sneak out to any of the, the minor league games and and reacquaint yourself with that sort of a, of an experience? I hope so, and I, I miss minor league baseball. Minor league baseball. I, I wish we had some teams in Canada. I remember back when the Ottawa Lynx were in Ottawa. I had family there, and I would go sit in those 200-degree seats, <laughs> eat a couple hot dogs, get heat stroke. It was great. But for my money, minor league baseball is the best dollar you can spend entertainment-wise in sports, man. It is amazing. So I'm hoping I can cross paths with one of the teams while I'm down here. I'll be, uh, I'll be at the Boston series coming up on the 11th to 15th, 11th to 14th, I believe it is, at Fenway Park. So that'll be another amazing one to see Fenway full of fans. But uh, – Ideally, the miners will get back settled in as well soon. You know, it's got to be tough playing for the AAA Bisons where you're, you're in Trenton. Sometimes you're wearing Trenton Thunder jerseys. Sometimes you're wearing Bisons jerseys. It's uh, a lot has been uh, kind of pulled up by the roots here. But uh, good to see minor league baseball back as well, because in a lot of spots like, I mean, Buffalo for minor league baseball, Buffalo is a big city for minor league baseball. Mm-hmm. But in a lot of these towns you go to with a minor league team, that's the biggest show in town, man. And it is so fun. And the beer is so cheap. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back with more Spin Rate. But first, check this out. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You had a memorable experience on June the first, getting to just getting to be back, and then you got to see a memorable victory uh, the the following day as the Blue Jays authored uh, quite a dramatic comeback against the somehow former playoff team, the Miami Marlins. Uh, but I think that that the game was sort of um, Bo Bichette. I think was a little bit of a, of a barometer for that game. He was zero for zero for four coming into the ninth inning, three strikeouts. If I'm not, he was oh down zero and two in every single count. I believe, which is like the topic du jour, Bo Bichette falling behind in the count. And then in the ninth inning, he hits a triple to ninth to right field on a pitch that was that is 
chest, uh, that just showcasing the things that really make him special. He fouled off some really, he t- took a tough pitch, fouled off some tough pitches, and was able to really do something positive with that, uh, with that tough pitch that was up in the zone. Uh, he's, he's really like a bit of a, he, I don't know if tantalizing talent. I don't know if we're quite there yet where we're, where we're wondering where the real Bo Bichette is, but there are obviously concerns with some of his approaches, but also at the same time, he's still a very productive big leaguer here two months into the 2021 season. What do you think about, you know, is this a guy that needs to make adjustments or is this kind of what, what brought him here is what's going to make him great. I'd love to understand what you think about Bo Bichette now into the future. You know, if Bo Bichette were releasing an album, the singles would just be dynamite. <laughs> and the rest of the album might be called, you know, experimental or something like that. It's uh, when he is on, holy, he is good. And when Bo Bichette is on, it creates such an incredible overlap of his talent, his energy, that swagger that he plays with. He really does have that face of the franchise, Josh Donaldson type of talent mixed with aggression, a bit of an FU edge that really works when you're good. But when you're that aggressive and you're swinging at everything, I mean everything, there are going to be some cold streaks. So it's kind of like we see with Lourdes Gurriel Jr. as well. And Charlie Montoya has said this a few times. When guys are that aggressive, when they're struggling, it looks really bad. When Vlad is struggling, maybe he's working a seven-pitch at-bat, but then he grounds out. You don't really notice it until you kind of comb through the stats over a week. But when Bo is struggling, you know it because it is strike one, strike two, and then he's battling. So he's always battling and battling. You would love to see him get into a 3-1 count and then be able to swing out of his shoes because his swing is built for hunting a fastball, but he's so eager at the plate. He's going to have to find... A sweet spot. You know, he cannot continue to go on like this for his entire career. He cannot continue to have 0-2 counts every single game for a 10-year major league career. That does not work. He will find ways just because he is so talented right now. He has that hand-eye coordination that, uh, you know, big disclaimer, I'm not making a Kevin Pillar comparison, please. But every once in a while when you would see Kevin Pillar just flash that great hand-eye coordination and hit a really crappy pitch, and you'd say, whoa, look at that raw athletic ability. But Shet has that times 10. But if he could get himself some better pitches to hit, man, the sky's the limit for him. You know, as long as he can play an okay shortstop, which I know has been kind of hit or miss this year. But, uh, you know, that's that's kind of been lost in the conversation behind Vladdy, behind Semyon, because early last year, you know, we were talking a lot about, so is Bo the guy? Is Bo going to be the guy that comes out of this? Well, now George Springer's in town too, and Bo has been bumped down the ladder a bit, but it uh, it would not shock me at all to see him just go on a crazy hot streak for a month coming up sometime soon. And when aggression works, it looks really cool. But when it doesn't, you're out, you're down 0-2 a lot. It's really interesting to me because his his season has been really hit and miss, and he's had these slumps where he gets himself into these, these, these really dis- disadvantageous counts. But at the same time, his his numbers on the balance are good. For a shortstop, they're quite good. He's a significantly above average hitter, which I think is is just so again, that's where maybe that tantalizing factor comes in because his ta- his floor is high because he can put the bat on the ball like few 
you know, players, his current, one of his current teammates excluded. Like not a lot of guys can just put the bat on the ball. Not a lot of guys. And, and I, maybe it was, you know, that ballpark in Dunedin was so well suited to his ability to shoot that ball to that right center field gap and like hit it hard and hit it with power. And maybe they look or they may be classified as kind of cheapy home runs or a lot of extra base hits, but like that's a real skill to be able to take any kind of pitch, especially when he's at two strikes out to that part of the park. So I mean, it, it is tantalizing and, and you, you do hope because, because like you said, um, you know, guys that are always behind and swinging everything, they're not going to have necessarily a long career. But I think the, the comparison to Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is, is interesting because, because I don't get the sense that Bo will ever, or at least hasn't so far, slip into as deep a trough as Gurriel got himself into here at the beginning of the year because the profiles are similar, but that extra level of talent that Bo Bichette has is, is really hard to come by. Yeah, it's rare. And you see it with Guriel working off that example. When Guriel is struggling, that swing gets long. And Guriel will have swings that are just, ugh. you know, they are they're swings that are never going to create a ball in play for Guriel. Then when he's hot, man, he has been fantastic lately. And when he barrels up a ball, it's a gorgeous swing. He is so naturally strong. I, I, I don't think... I have even appreciated how naturally athletic Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is. But with Bo Bichette, his hands are so quick. His bat speed is so impressive that even on that triple the other night, or sorry, last night, on Wednesday leading to that walk-off, that was on a 97.7 mile-an-hour pitch up at his shoulders. That's something that most hitters are going to get embarrassed by. Like, not just miss, but get embarrassed by. The ball will be in the glove when they're starting their swing. And he slaps that the other way for a triple, uses his athleticism to get around the bases. So having that quickness will protect him. And that's why I was honestly surprised when I looked at Bo Bichette's stat line over the last couple of nights, because when I'm covering each game, of course, I'm not checking stat lines every day. I'm just going day to day and seeing what I see. And I was thinking, sitting at the ballpark on June 1, I was thinking, man, Bo is in 0-2 counts every day. He is battling every day just to put balls in play to stay alive. He's not controlling at-bats. And then I look at the numbers, and of course, they're not great. They could be better, but I thought, wow, this is not as bad as I thought it would be. Mm -hmm. So he'll avoid those big slumps, I think, but uh, he's due. Man, he's due for a hot streak. He's the kind of guy, I think, too, that, that again, maybe his profile is able to support if he's like a 280, 340, 500 kind of hitter, like as a shortstop, even if he's, yeah. even if he is shortstop, like that's a really, really good player that can play on almost any team in the big leagues, right? Like that's, that's a, what he used to, he used to call like a first division player. That's that, you know, he doesn't need to walk because he can hit, but, but uh, it's, it's really, um, it's interesting to watch him evolve and, and hope, hopefully, again, it's easy to say, you know, hey, Bo Bichette, don't, don't, you know, lose the big stride and after the first pitch and then, you know, kind of cut down. But I think that's the kind of thing that he'll come around on because he is so talented and because he, um, he, he is able to, to succeed and kind of make things work. I, I, I'm interested to see how, how, how he evolves because I feel as though he will. Let's talk about one other player who pitched this week. But it's obviously a big part of the Blue Jays, who maybe rush got rushed to the big leagues a little bit, and 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 I know that uh, you got you were one of the rare, the few people, well, not few anymore, who has been to see him pitch. That's Alec Manoa, who started, who uh, struggled. He struggled this week against the Marlins. Um, but in some ways, I, I mean, maybe I don't know if, if 
enjoy is the, is the right word, but it's for me, it's good to see a guy be able to gut it out a little bit. I think that's those are the makings of a of a long time big leaguer, a guy who's sort of figuring things out and be like, well, this isn't going to work, so we're going to stash it and just kind of cheat it around. I, I, I found that it was I don't maybe mature isn't the right isn't the right word, but there was something encouraging for me watching him, even though he struggled. Yeah, Alec Manoa is not a guy that'll be bothered by that, and I don't want to say he likes it because nobody likes that, but. You know, we've all seen a, a fist fight or something in a small town where one guy gets punched and then turns his head back and laughs and says, do it harder. And we think, oh, man, this guy's not going to lose. That's scary. Alec Manoa has that gene, man, where he, he had a great quote saying after the game where he said, I've been hit harder outside of baseball and we'll be all right. So, you know, this is long-term good for him. Mm-hmm. The Blue Jays are in a tough place where – he left them no choice, and they were running out of options. They had to rush him up. In a perfect world, a prospect will get beat up a little bit in single A and in double A. Because if you are a pitcher and you lose it, let's say you screw up your delivery, you lose your control on your curveball or your slider. When that happens in single A, that's good. That's a learning experience because you can go back out there and work on it against 19-year-olds. But if you rush up to the major leagues like Manoa has done and like he has earned, then if you screw up, you're trying to adjust against Mike Trout, Fernando Tatis, Giancarlo Stanton. Good luck. That Mm -hmm. is not easy. So it puts him really in the spotlight now for Manoa. He's going to have to adjust against major league hitters, which is very hard to do successfully. This reminds me, Drew, of back in – I forget if this was 14 or 15. It was the same year that Daniel Norris and Dalton Pompey both had that massive year in the minor leagues. They jumped through three or four levels each, ran right up to the major leagues, and obviously, you know, did not reach that potential that we all thought they would have for various reasons, injuries included, certainly. But it showed the example of how hard it is to learn and adjust at the major league level. But that's a tough line to walk. What if a guy just doesn't screw up in the minors? That, that, that's what we were looking at with Manoa here. A 0.50 ERA, 27 strikeouts over 18 innings in AAA. The guy just forced the issue and he earned his way here. So the velocity was down a bit. He was not trusting his fastball enough, especially in that last inning in a couple of big counts where he needed to drive a fastball in there. But this is where the mental game matters. You know, Manoa's good enough physically. That's, I think, something we don't talk about enough, is that Nate Pearson, Alec Manoa, eventually guys like Adam Klopfenstein, et cetera, et cetera, they're good enough physically. They can throw in the mid-90s or high-90s. They can strike out a major league hitter. They can do that, period. It's about learning how mentally to adjust, a work around hitters, plan for hitters. And we're going to see that with Manoa now. You know, the hype train was completely out of control, and that's fine. That's fun. That's baseball. I know that uh, Blue Jays fans need their hit. You know, after Vladdy and Bo, Nate Pearson, like next year it'll be Austin Martin, Jordan Groshans. Uh, Blue Jays fans have been really blessed with some great prospects lately. But now we'll see how he reacts. And Mm -hmm. I would expect Alec Manoa to be a guy who reacts very well and uh, very passionately. I think he'll have a – 
pretty expressive outing next time. Yeah, I'm really excited to see how he, he fares next time because kind of to your point, you can see, especially in that last inning, he, so number one, you know, while he facing the Mike Trouts and the Fernando Tatis Juniors in the world, but also when you're in the major leagues, you know, what, what was Jesus Aguiar like when he was in single A? He was the Mike Trout of the single A team that everybody, nobody knew how to get out. And so you can maybe get away with throwing a, maybe a little bit too firm right on right change up in the minor leagues. And someone's just surprised that it's not as hard as the one that before. Meanwhile, Jesus Aguiar is as big as the batter's box and he can hook it over the fence for a home run. Or the other guy that uh, we got Jazz Chisholm Jr. Who's this teeny tiny flyweight who can take you oppo when you leave a change up up in the zone. Uh, really, really telling. Uh, no, sorry, he said that was the, no, that was Dickerson got the slider. Um, but watching him, so after after Aguiar hit that home run on the on the changeup, that was the last one that he threw. He threw one in the last at bat in, in his desperate attempt to to try to get out of the inning. Uh, but he also, you know, he kind of went away. The, the slider wasn't working. The four seamer, he had no command on. It like felt like the two seam was the only thing that he could that he could throw strikes with. So I get why he was he was. You know, people were saying, "Why would you throw a three-two chain, a three-two slider?" Um, you know, kind of arm. We were all armchair pitching coaching, but I, I again to that point, I kind of like it. He's like, "Well, you know, I'm it's I'm not um, finishing this pitch or whatever." You know, he knows his own terminology, but he was like, "I think I, I know I can throw the next one for a strike. I'm not afraid to throw the next one, even though that pitch is is uh, is, is maybe abandoned me." And and I, I just think it's so important. And again, I think that mindset piece. And then the physical piece is uh, is really is really key, and I, I'm really excited to see how he comes out next time. Uh, there was a lot of folks I know talking about it. when he gave up the first home run. He came out, struck the next batter out in three strike and three pitches. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot to be excited about. And 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 to the Nate Pearson point, I feel like that maybe maybe I'm editorializing a little bit too much, but I I don't know that I've seen that same kind of like battle ability from Nate Pearson. He 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 hasn't. He hasn't shown had a real gutty start like that that I was like encouraged by. Mostly it was like, oh my God, he has no idea where the ball's going. So hopefully Blue Jays fans, A, can get excited about Alec Manoa and hopefully see some of that in a guy like Nate Pearson in the future. Yeah, when you see that, it, 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 it's a word we throw around a lot where a pitcher will have a bulldog mentality on the mound. And it's one of those many vague baseball words that doesn't really mean much, but we say it to sound baseball-y. But this is really what it means with Alec Manoa when he gets taken deep, he's not going to melt down. And I'm not saying that Nate Pearson melts down in those situations or other pitchers melt down, but he takes that as a punch landed on him and he, and he wants to punch back in that situation. And that's really valuable because when you are Nate Pearson or when you are Alec Manoa in the minor leagues, you are better than everybody else on the field. Most games in the major leagues, you are no longer better than everybody else. You belong. You just belong. And you try mm-hmm. to win most nights. And if you are Jacob deGrom or Garrett Cole or Max Scherzer, then a lot of the nights you are going to win because you have more talent. But you are no longer like Nate Pearson when he was in Vancouver, for example, where you are just absolutely the dad at the, at the parent-kids game mm-hmm. ringing up <laughs> 12 guys in inning. You know, that, that's over. So I, that's really the big adjustment is – getting into AAA, and that can be the value of some extra time in AAA, which Manoa won't have, but when you throw 100, that's great, but so do a lot of dudes. A lot of dudes throw 100 now, and if a veteran hitter in AAA who's 28 or 31, if they know 100 is coming, they'll hit it. That's fine, 
unless you are spotting it on the absolute corner, the outside edge, they'll hit it. You know, they, they might uh, have to slap it to the opposite field, but they'll barrel it up. So that realization that you are no longer the best guy in the field, it's uh, a real hurdle for a lot of guys, not in terms of ego or arrogance by any means, but just that your, your misses don't win anymore. Mm. Your B game no longer wins. If you go out to the mound with your B game, somebody in the lineup is going to have their A game. Whereas in the minor leagues, if Nate Pearson was trying to throw a 100-mile-an-hour fastball low and in and he sailed it high and outside, probably still strikes the guy out. So it's much different now. Mm-hmm. So that's two different fight references, just in case anyone wondered if Nova Scotia had entered the, the chat or not here this afternoon. Just angry. Just, just down <laughs> here in Buffalo, locked up in the hotel, getting angry. More spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash. Or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant. Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is meme mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, so I guess the last thing I'll leave you with, so we, there's lots to be encouraged about with Alec Manoa, lots to be encouraged about with guys like Bobby Shatt. Uh, how do you feel about the Blue Jays uh, for the rest of the way here? You know, again, we're two months into the season. They could be better positioned, but they also could be a lot worse uh, uh, in terms of where, where they stand, um, how many games they've won versus what they've got coming up in their schedule. Uh, you know, again, this is a team that's had George Springer for what, two games, three games? Uh, do you feel, uh, you know, are the Blue Jays well positioned to kind of make a run towards the, the, the postseason or at least be looking to add at the, at the trade deadline, let's say? I think they are. And I don't really want to overcomplicate it either, just from a very basic standpoint. A lot of injuries. Now, that's that's the case across baseball. The Blue Jays would probably be slightly above average in terms of injuries, a few more than average. A lot of teams are dealing with similar. But the Blue Jays now are, for the most part, staying comfortably a few games over 500. They had that ugly stretch about 10 days ago, six-game losing streak. But they have showed how good they can be. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Marcus Semien are two of the best players on the planet right now. Both are comfortably in the top 10 and wins above replacement. I think Blatty is still first. Take this lineup, even if the injuries continue, and add George Springer to it. Add a guy that you gave $150 bucks to this lineup, you're going to get a couple of wins better. And I think for the Blue Jays now, the trade deadline has always lined up as such a big opportunity. And all they had to do was not screw that up. So far, they have not screwed that up. As long as they can get to that trade deadline as buyers, I think the opportunities there are massive because not only do they have prospects, still a very good farm system with lots of options to trade, but they have money. 
money this year, probably, but money beyond this year when a lot of big contracts are coming off the books and young guys are still cheap. So we have seen how much money matters when you look back through the offseason with pitchers being traded. Snell, you Darvish, I think that you Darvish trade is a very good example of the value of being able to take money on. And the Blue Jays have done that in the past to some smaller extents. But if there are pitchers, not just rentals out there, but top-end pitchers who have some years left on their deals and their team is looking around saying, man, this year and next year are not our year, the Blue Jays are so well-positioned. And I I don't say that lightly. It's not something I, I would throw around year to year. I just think there are a lot of arrows pointing in their direction. And that top-end starting pitcher, I think, is still the missing piece. You know, we can talk a lot about third base and, and some of these positions as well, but we'll see where the Blue Jays are by the end of July. But I, I think at this point, you have to set the sights a bit higher. Let's pretend the Blue Jays are lining up in an ALCS or a World Series. Game one, do you like Hanjin Ryu? Hell yeah, you do, mm-hmm. no matter what. Even if it's against a DeGrom or a, a Cole, an elite pitcher, Ryu is still as good as you're going to get. Maybe by game three and four, you like a Robbie Ray or a Pearson or a Manoa, we'll see. But who's that game two guy that you're going to try to come back around? The Blue Jays are losing that battle right now. So having another top-end starter, I think, is the missing piece for now. And there's more pieces to add down the road, but that can be natural growth. That can be Vladdy and Bo and Kevin and all these young guys, Lourdes Guerrero Jr. taking the next step. But, um, man, a lot of arrows pointing in the same direction to the Blue Jays, at least having every opportunity to make a big ad. Here's hoping. I think uh, even I think about the Dodgers a lot as well as a, as a team that that – not only do they have obviously the really high level front end talent in their rotation, but in the playoffs, you see them use their pitching staff a little bit differently, right? Using uh, Julio Urias out of the bullpen a lot, but like as a not a bulk guy, but two, three innings kind of provide like kind of shortening the bench a little bit which the blue jays have always shown a good ability to kind of like turn what do you say like turn water into wine or something like that in terms of oh here's a high spin guy and pete walker and matt bushman are going to use their magic powers on them but i think in the playoffs there's no real substitute for that high-end talent so every any potential to bring somebody in to shorten that bench to push you know to give have more more good pitchers than you have opportunities to use them in the playoffs or it would be really would be really huge so um I hope that you're right, and I hope that uh, Blue Jays fans get to see. <laughs> I'm due to be right eventually, man. You know, this year, this <laughs> might be my year. I don't know if it's the Jays' year, but this might be my year. Finally. You fire enough takes out there into the universe, you'll have a couple <laughs> that'll end up sticking. Uh, Keegan, tell the people where they can find you and your work as you continue to cover the Toronto Blue Jays here in 2021. Yeah, everything I write you'll find at uh, BlueJays.com. I'll be in Buffalo for the next while, Boston, then back to Buffalo, and then eventually back to my comfy couch in Toronto and at your own risk you can find me on Twitter at Keegan Matheson it's K-E-E-G-A-N Matheson Keegan Matheson I hope you enjoy your whiskey this evening here on this off day and enjoy uh, the dreaded Houston Astros and the Toronto Blue Jays as they match up here for the rest of the weekend Keegan thank you so much for taking the time I appreciate you Drew anytime
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.